All right, my friends, welcome back to Your Bible, Book by Book. I'm Pastor Luke, and this is the book of Ephesians. And uh, the book of Ephesians is, uh, again, one of the Pauline epistles, one of the letters that Paul wrote. And uh, it is in a another subcategory called uh, the prison letters. So there were uh, four letters in particular that Paul wrote from prison. And uh, there, there are verses in each of these books that references that Paul is in chains um, or in prison for the gospel or for Jesus Christ. Um, and so each of these letters, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, um, each of them have a verse or two that uh, refers to him being in chains. And so uh, from there, I mean, Paul, he spent some time in, in prison. Um, he spent uh, more than a couple years in prison in Caesarea. Um, and that was uh, under Felix and Festus, uh, waiting for his trial to uh, Rome. And then uh, the book of Acts records how Paul uh, was eventually, finally transferred to Rome uh, for uh, his, his uh, imprisonment there. And he spent a couple years on house arrest in Rome and had a little bit of freedom in Rome. Um, he, he was under guard. He had a, a one, one soldier that was basically in charge of making sure that he stayed um, on house arrest and, until he was uh, able to go to trial under Nero. And uh, according to the church historian Eusebius, um, who wrote uh, uh, early church history, first uh, century, um, he wrote it in, in the third century, but he wrote it about the first century. Um, he records that Paul actually... Um, successfully argued his case before Emperor Nero and was released, and then uh, later was arrested again um, and finally put to death under under Nero. Um, but that came a little bit later. And so uh, we have a little bit of history there that we can rely on, but um, it's likely, most likely, that Paul wrote a lot of these prison letters from Rome um, because we know he had some freedom there. We know that he had... Uh, more support there. He had friends that were nearby that were able to uh, support him financially, and uh, he could uh, uh, basically write letters and send them out with some of the folks uh, back to the churches where he had planted or, or that he had had an influence on. And so um, there is also pretty clear uh, recording of who is taking the letters that Paul is writing from prison to the churches that he's writing them to. And so uh, Ephesians uh, is taken by um, a friend of his called Tychicus uh, back to Ephesus to uh, give them the, the word of God that Paul has, has received and has uh, been inspired to deliver to them. So uh, it, it is one of a small group, um, a subcategory of Paul's letters that's called the prison letters, and, and uh, that's why that is. And so um, one of the things that I really find helpful when I'm studying Ephesians, when I'm reading Ephesians, is to keep in mind um, the, the situation that Ephesus was in uh, when it became a church. And so Paul had a substantial ministry in Ephesus. Um, he was there for a few years uh, ministering and um, uh, planting that church and developing leaders and and those kinds of things. And so um, in the book of Acts, chapter 19, um, you have the, the story, the account of Paul 
um, in Ephesus and all the things that happened there in that ministry. Now, it's just one chapter of, of the book of Acts that records that. And so we don't have, you know, a substantial amount of detail about all the things happening in Ephesus, but there's enough um, uh, a story of what's going on in Ephesus to give you a clue as to why um, Paul writes the way that he does to the church in Ephesus um, in, in the letter uh, to them called Ephesians. And so uh, what's going on in Acts chapter 19 in Ephesus is that it is uh, a, a place where there's a substantial amount of spiritual warfare. Um, Ephesus is the home of the Temple of Artemis. Um, it's one of the seven wonders of the world, okay? And so uh, Ephesus is kind of an epicenter of um, idolatry, and, and, and it becomes this place, um, you know, and I call it like a, a spiritual vortex. I mean, it's just um, compounded with so many different unique things going on there, spiritually speaking. Um, the, this is the place where uh, the, uh, the sorcerers, uh, come to faith, and they burn their scrolls, and it's worth, you know, 50,000 uh, drachmas. Or, and so what that ends up being is just, you know, a, a substantial amount of money. It's like millions of dollars in our our day. Um, these scrolls are worth, but you, you have um, all this kind of spiritual activity going on. And so um, there's so much happening here that because the activity of the enemy is so strong, then we also see the activity of God being really strong. And so um, here in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, that's also where you find uh, Paul is able to do some, some uh, profound miracles where they would take aprons and handkerchiefs that he had, that he had used. Uh, because Paul, he had worked uh, for a time as a tent maker uh, to support himself. And so he had, you know, these materials that he would use in his tent making. Um, but they would take an apron uh, that he would use or a, a handkerchief that he'd wipe his face with or something like that, and they would uh, go place it on a sick person. They would be healed. Um, there's accounts of, of these kinds of, of miracles happening in Ephesus. And, and there's a couple of ways to look at that. Um, one is that because of the activity of the enemy that God is more powerfully um, revealing himself, more powerfully um, validating his message, more powerfully at work. Uh, the other way to look at it, and, and this is often how I, I tend to view things in, in my own life, is that when God is at work in a significant way, then the enemy ramps up his activity um, even more so. And um, for new believers uh, who are coming to faith, and, and this is important, whether you're a new believer or not, um, or you uh, have contact and connection with new believers, um, this, this is an important truth to understand, that uh, as a person comes to faith in Christ and as they begin that, that spiritual journey um, and are starting to see that confirmation happen in their life, um, what is most likely to happen, and this happens so frequently that it's almost, it's almost inevitable, but um, it happens so frequently that there will be uh, so many times a spiritual attack or some kind of a spiritual, um, almost a depression uh, or, or some kind of a, um, a sense of, of there's a need to see God confirm again his power, his strength, his, his role, his might, his goodness. 
um, because there's such a strong reaction, and it can be a conflict in the family, it can be a, a financial issue, it can be a feeling, it can be any number of things that happen. But a lot of times when a person comes to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, uh, pretty soon after that event, and there's such joy and and uh, and, re- and just celebration, um, there's a lot of times there's a uh, uh, almost a knee jerk reaction that and, and what that is so often is the enemy um, trying to frustrate uh, the work of God in in a person's life. That when God is more powerfully at work, then the enemy ramps up his his efforts, um, so to speak. And so um, it's really important for new believers, especially, but also any believer, uh, when they're seeing the activity of God in their life and then they have this spiritual warfare that happens, um, to persevere through that, to get to the other side, uh, to see God prevail, because he will prevail. Um, but uh, we have to persevere and we have to trust and we have to continue to seek him um, in those moments. And so uh, whether that's you or whether that's you helping somebody else um, persevere through a time like that, um, it, it's, it's really important for us to see that. And so Ephesians um, is a book that is very centered on um, this issue of spiritual warfare. Uh, it, there, there are some unique things in, e, F, in the book of Ephesians that, um, that really highlight this issue. And so it says, uh, it uses the term in heavenly places five different times um, in the book of Ephesians. And that term in heavenly places um, and, and, you know, one reference is, you know, we, we as believers, as, as uh, people who are saved, are seated in heavenly places with Christ, even now, which I think is a, such a spiritual um, just epiphany that we need to understand that we are already seated with him in heavenly places. Um, Paul tells us that in, in Ephesians. Well, that term in heavenly places um, that he uses in so frequently in, in Ephesians is not used anywhere else in the New Testament. And so um, for Ephesians, uh, one of the themes, one of the basic understandings, you know, as you're wrapping your mind around the, uh, what Paul is talking about here, um, it, you, you can have a, a grasp of the whole book when you understand that the intention is to help you to understand how spiritual warfare works. What is the point of, of a spiritual warfare? How to uh, have the spiritual strength and to um, do battle against the spiritual forces of darkness that are going to um, be evident and uh, attack, you know, a believer, especially a believer, because um, that's Satan's main target. He 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 certainly wants to frustrate um, and uh, squash the faith of those who are saved, because then he can eliminate uh, a threat uh, to his uh, his plans and his schemes, and so. Um, as you you're reading through Ephesians, you're going to see that it's it's uh, divided very evenly between theology and then practical application. So the first three chapters are are pretty much all theology, and the theology of Ephesians uh, in those three chapters um, it has to do with the exaltation of Christ, um, the the reality that that Jesus has reconciled uh, creation. To God, that that this was his his role. This was his plan. This was his um, the reason that he came was to reconcile the world to God, um, and that he achieved that through his death, burial, and resurrection. And that there is now the a peace that is possible uh, through 
faith in Jesus Christ. And then the second half has to do with how we live that out, how we actually practically um, come to a place where where that reality is true for the individual. Okay, it's not just a cosmic thing of the world. Um, it is experienced personally by those who trust Jesus uh, in their life. And so uh, another way to see this is, is that the first half of Ephesians um, is helping us to come to an understanding um, and, uh, and uh, a correct basic theology or, or grasp intellectually of, of who God is and what his purpose in reconciliation is. And the second half is the experience of that. Um, on a personal level. And both of those things have to be um, uh, understood or experienced or, or held together in a person's life because if you have understanding without experience, then um, that's going to be um, pretty weak uh, in your life. It's, it's not going to accomplish much if you only have understanding without experience. Um, but also, if you have experience without understanding, uh, that's going to lead to uh, more than likely, it's going to lead to error. It's going to lead to um, misunderstanding and uh, potentially false teaching. Um, and so we have to um, continually uh, keep those two things together, a, a correct understanding of God's Word, but also um, uh, a, a personal experience of a relationship with God. Uh, and so Ephesians kind of brings those things together, helps us to understand how they work, um, and and kind of sets it on a really a higher level because it, it's focused on the the exaltation of Christ primarily that we are humbly coming to the Lord through you know keeping Jesus in that high position that place of, of worship that um, the world and the things of the world um, they they desire worship um, and, and there's something in the human heart that uh, is is drawn to kind of give worship to the wrong things. Um, and so it, there's an effort and there's a discipline to continually seeking to exalt Christ. And there's no way that we can possibly exalt him high enough. Um, he is worthy of, of all of our worship. But as we worship him in, in this humble uh, attitude of the heart, as we keep him in that first position, what happens is instead of us getting lower and lower, um, as we humble ourselves, we actually are exalted with him. And th this is where Paul says that we are seated with him in the heavenly places, that it's this kind of ironic uh, twist that happens that as you exalt Christ, you yourself in a humble way, okay, as you're, you're lifting him up and, and you're seeking his will, um, you actually rise um, and it, it has that effect. And so uh, the way the Bible talks about this is that God uh, humbles uh, the, the the prideful, but he exalts the humble. Um, and so when when you uh, refuse to give God his glory and when you refuse to to exalt him, um, he will he will actually uh, work things out in your life to bring you to a place of humility to to show you how powerless you are. But when you exalt him, when you lift him up, when you keep him in that first place, um, then then he, lifts you up. He raises you up out of uh, your circumstances. He raises you up uh, emotionally, mentally, uh, spiritually into a place um, of peace and of joy, and that comes through a relationship with him. And so all of, of Ephesians kind of um, comes to this conclusion in Ephesians chapter 6 that uh, probably most familiar to us 
um, is the full armor of God. And, and he's really referring to uh, all the elements of what it looks like to daily and, and personally and, and uh, practically put on uh, the, the things of God's nature into our lives, you know, his truth and his righteousness and, and uh, the, the spirit of prayer um, and all the things that, uh, that it requires uh, to be able to extinguish the, the enemy's darts or arrows um, that are coming at us. And so as you live more closely connected to the Lord, uh, the more protected you are from the, the schemes of the enemy, even, even though he's going to be actively pursuing uh, warfare against you, uh, the, the safest place to live and to exist is in that close connection and close relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and so therefore you have uh, a power, not only a power, but a purpose uh, within the world to see God's kingdom advance. Um, and so uh, Paul explains that so perfectly um, in Ephesians as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, and uh, he delivers that message, again, from prison, knowing uh, that, uh, that he is, um, in one sense, trying to be silenced by the enemy. But, but practically speaking, um, he's going to write some of the most profound letters and, and encouragement to the church for not only his day, but for uh, history and for us today. Um, be in that situation, God has a way of working through uh, our darkest moments to bring the greatest light. And so uh, he does that in Ephesians, and I uh, hope that you will read it again if you haven't read it lately, because it is your Bible, book by book.